Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and today we are reading Coveted Kiss. It's the third book in the Savage Security series. It picks up right where Avenging Kiss left off and ties together a few dangling threads. The twists and turns in this romantic thriller hold the reader's focus through multiple points of view, giving the reader a peek into each character's perspective. This book has everything action, mystery, revenge, and romance. So, get comfy. Turn up the volume, and let's read a book. Chapter 7 Dr. Quinn stood and lifted his suit jacket from the back of the chair. Folding it over one arm, he used his free hand to dig into one of the pockets. His fingers sought out the little bottle, and he pulled it out. He held it between his index finger and thumb for Hazim to see. Shaking it gently, the pills rattled against the plastic sides of the container. Suit cleared his throat and draped his jacket over the chair again. I have to say, Eric. My name is Hazim Ali, Eric interrupted, pissed that the old man kept calling him Eric. Dr. Quinn continued. So far, you haven't been very helpful. Taking his seat again, he set the pills on the table, just out of Hazim's reach. Hazim glared at the old man. They'd asked him so many questions about the terror cell that lies were merging with truths, and he was having trouble keeping his story straight. Sweat covered him, dripped down his forehead, and stung his eyes. Yet his body shook with chills. His shoulders burned and throbbed where they'd removed the bullets. A ravaging fire licked down his arms while the metal cuffs chafed his wrists. Taylor never tired of watching assholes like Eric, or Hazim, or whatever the fuck he called himself, suffer. They purposely spread disaster and pain, and there was something cathartic about watching karma bite them in the ass. Hazim craned his head and looked at the woolly beast beside him. Hatred for the power and confidence the man oozed sickened him. Woolly stood there, staring at him with the indifference of a monster. He knew that Woolly kept his beard scruffy, puffed his chest out, and twitched his arm muscles to intimidate him. What are you looking at? he screamed at Woolly. Wooly knew his calm demeanor was rattling Hazim. It always did. Displaying a lack of emotion always frightened the prisoner. They felt as if anything could happen, and that unpredictability horrified them. They didn't trust the look of indifference. It was too threatening, even more so than when anger was displayed. Anger they understood. Wooly stood there silent, his face unmoving. He kept his breath shallow. His chest hardly rose with each intake of air as his eyes cut through Hazim. Hazim swallowed hard and shot his glance back to suit. Dr. Quinn cleared his throat and tilted his head to the side. I know you're in pain. He motioned towards Hazim. Look at you. You're shaking. The pain must be nauseating. You don't need to suffer like this. He tapped the top of the pill bottle. These will ease your suffering. All you have to do is give us a few names. Hazim's vision blurred as he stared at the bottle. He didn't know how much more he could take. Surely giving up a few names wouldn't hurt anything. The people in his group were dedicated to the cause and knew the dangers they faced. Although he'd lost track of time, he knew the others had to be aware of a problem by now. They were probably covering their tracks and disappearing. Dr. Quinn looked at Taylor and then eyed the water cooler in the corner of the room. Taylor stalked to the corner and grabbed a paper cup. The cooler gurgled as Taylor filled the cup. 
Then, walking around the table, he set the cup in front of suit as his eyes pierced Hazim. Thank you, Dr. Quinn said, giving Taylor a polite nod. Taylor made his way back to the spot just behind Azim as Soot brought the cup to his mouth and slowly took a sip. Soot relished the coolness of the water. His blood pressure medicine always made him feel thirsty. After swallowing, he set the cup back on the table and gave a contented sigh. Azim eyed the cup of water and licked his lips. He'd been without something to drink for too long. His lips were dry and exhaustion was beginning to muddle his mind. He was sure that they'd let him die of dehydration or shock without a care. What would they do with his body? Would they just dispose of him like trash? Would his death go unnoticed by the world? Dr. Quinn noticed the way Hazim focused on the cup. It was obvious that Hazim's resistance was weakening. If the desire for water and pain meds didn't loosen Hazim's tongue, he'd be forced to move on to other tactics. There was no greater motivator than fear. Are you thirsty? Dr. Quinn asked. He brought the cup to his lips and took another sip. Hazim glared as the old man taunted him. He knew what the bastard was doing. He was lording his power over Hazim to manipulate him. Give us a few names and I'll give you a pill to ease the pain. I imagine you're also thirsty by now. Suit took a deep breath and waited for Hazim's response. Hazim licked his lips again but his mouth was so dry that it did him no good. He needed to do something to ease his pain. He thought about his group. He didn't want to give any of them up. But then he thought about Aditya. The bitch was probably already on a plane seeking refuge. He'd give her up. If he were lucky, they'd bring her back here with him. He'd love to spend some time alone with her in a cell. Hazim tried to settle his shaking body, but the pain was too strong. There's a woman, he bit out. She's after one of the savage security guys. Taylor didn't smile, even though he wanted to. He'd known it was just a matter of time before the man caved. Dr. Quinn grabbed the bottle of pills and held it between two fingers. I need a name, he said, tracing the cap with his finger. Aditya, Hazim barked. Aditya Chopra. He shifted in his chair as he licked his lips again. She's of Indian descent, but was raised in the States. Dr. Quinn pressed down on the bottle cap and twisted. Tilting the bottle, he shook two pills into his palm. Tell me about her. Hazim stared at the pills in Suit's hand. They looked so small in his palm, yet they would bring such relief. She's a bitch. She fucks men and then kills them. How heartless is that? Dr. Quinn nodded to Taylor, and Taylor turned to the water cooler. Dr. Quinn already knew about Aditya. He'd been informed about her suicide when he received the case. I'll be sure to inform my team about her. She's a woman. I'm sure she'll be very helpful. He smiled with satisfaction at the subtle barb. Hazim was just the type of man to underestimate women and appreciate the put-down. But I need more than that. Where do you meet your friends? Shit. He'd willingly give them the bitch, but he didn't want to turn on friends. The water cooler bubbled behind him. Craning his head, he watched as Wooly took a long sip of water from the paper cups. That had been his fucking water. Dr. Quinn watched the anger rise in the trembling body, handcuffed to the table as Taylor drank the water. Hazim would crumble at any moment. I need a location. 
another name. Trust me, you don't want to make this harder on yourself than it already is. We both know that you'll talk. The condition of your body is up to you. You set the pills on the table, just out of Hazim's reach. Please, Hazim started. Give me some water as a sign of good faith. I'll tell you something else. Taylor stood beside the water and waited for Dr. Quinn's decision. Soup played with the two pills as they lay on the table, spinning them in circles. You don't get something for nothing. I already gave you the bitch, Hazim spit out. He wanted to shake his hands in frustration, but the metal of the cuffs bit into his raw skin. His fingers tingled, so he wiggled them, trying to ease the prickles that shot through his hands. She's staying at the family suite hotel on Airport Road. That had to be enough. He needed those pills. He couldn't take the shaking or fiery pain any longer. Suit smiled and nodded at Wooly. Hazim craned his head and watched as Wooly grabbed another paper cup and put it under the tap. Lifting the lever, water gurgled into the cup. Hazim smacked his lips in anticipation as Wooly paced back and forth to the table. Taylor set the cup on the table beside Hazim's hands. He wasn't a nurse. He wasn't going to hold the cup to the bastard's mouth. Dr. Quinn pushed the pills within reach of Hazim and waited. Hazim grabbed at the pills and held them in one hand. Hey, how am I supposed to take these with my hands still cuffed? Suit cocked his head and smiled. You're a clever man. Figure it out. Rage boiled in Hazim. He was cooperating, but they were still playing with him. Fuck you, he screamed. Wooly picked up the cup and gulped down its contents. Then he crumpled the cup in his hand and set it on the table in front of Hazim. Tears threatened to fill Hazim's eyes, but he fought them back. No way was he crying in front of these two assholes. That was mine, he seethed. Narrowing his eyes on suit, he hissed. Your trained monkey just drank my water. Dr. Quinn lifted his hands and shrugged. We gave you what you needed. Do you see your mommy here? We don't hand feed our residents. Residents? Hazim sputtered in disbelief. You mean prisoners. You had everything you needed in front of you. There have been plenty in that seat who have figured out how to get relief. Tell me something else and you will get another cup of water. Suit leaned back in his chair with his hands folded nicely on the table. Hazim knew he was helpless. He despised the fact that they had power over him. But he wasn't stupid. He needed water and the pills. After taking a deep breath, he said, A deal. Adil Shaw is my contact. Adil, Dr. Quinn repeated softly and nodded to Taylor. Where do you meet this Adil? Hazim watched as Wooly strode back to the cooler. We meet at his brother's restaurant. It's called Sultan's Feast. Wooly paced back to the table and set the cup of water within Hazim's reach. Hazim stood the best he could and leaned forward. His body nearly covered his side of the table. He shoved the two pills into his mouth and then brought the cup to his lips. Water dribbled from the sides of his mouth as he gulped it down. Dr. Quinn's lips pulled into a tight smile. Now, let's get back to business. Chapter 8. Adil Shaw Adil Shaw worked his hands along the steering wheel, frantically twisting and gripping the worn leather that covered the plastic. When a friend at the mosque approached him about joining their cell, 
He knew he would be fighting for a cause that was bigger than anything he'd ever been involved in. He'd studied their handbooks and enrolled in self-defense classes to give himself an edge in hand-to-hand contact. He'd been a great soldier, doing what they wanted when they wanted it. But nerves nauseated him as he thought about the repercussions for failure. Would they forgive him and give him leniency? Would they hurt his family? That's what his brother Solomon feared. Suleiman had always maintained that the members of a terrorist cell could not be trusted. What would happen to him or his family if the government captured him? He pulled his beat-up Nissan into the driveway and looked at the house. It was old and dated, but this was a safe neighborhood. The bungalow-style house was big enough for him and his wife. Their children were out of the house now and lived on their own. He knew that wouldn't save them, but perhaps it would give them an advantage so they wouldn't be swept up in this mess if the government came for him. But if he were captured and his face was plastered on the news, his children would be shamed. With a heavy sigh, he decided not to worry about that right now. He shut off the car and slid out the door. The curtain in the window beside the front door moved. His wife was watching him. Slamming the car door shut, he shoved his keys into his pocket and headed up the walk to the front door. Amani Shah pulled open the front door and stood to the side. Husband, she shuddered. Are you okay? She'd spent the night pacing the floors and then tossing and turning in their bed. She knew he was up to something because he wouldn't tell her anything. He'd simply packed a bag the night before and left, telling her not to call him. Adil shut the front door, careful to turn the deadbolt. Then he pulled Amani in for a hug. Her arms wrapped around his waist and he buried his nose in her hair. He hated to admit it, but she gave him strength. Her unwavering love for him was his lifeblood, and although he'd strayed a few times, he knew she would never betray him. He pulled away and cradled her face in his hands. He stared at her, wondering what to say or do. Her eyebrows drew together and worry marred her face. He didn't like that look on her. Did she not trust him to take care of her? Pack a bag. We're leaving, he ordered. He pulled out of her embrace and stalked down the hallway towards their bedroom. He'd need to stop at the ATM machine and get cash if Azim had been captured. It was just a matter of time before his name as conspirator was revealed. Pack a bag? She repeated as she traipsed after him. What is going on? She nervously twisted her fingers in front of her. She'd known it was bad. She'd even watched the news all morning, waiting for a headline to break concerning a shooting or an attack of some kind. But she hadn't expected him to come home so fearful. Adil dug through the bedroom closet, pushing clothes and shoes out of his way. Then he stood and planted his hands on his hips and cut his gaze to Amani. I need a duffel bag or suitcase, he barked. Where are they? She pressed her lips together to keep them from trembling. His behavior scared her. His eyes were distant and cold, and a little sheen of sweat wet his brow. They're in the bedroom closet, she replied, still fidgeting with her hands. As much as she hated the wars in her homeland, she'd wanted to leave that life of violence behind when they moved here, not bring the violence into her home. Adil brushed past her, but she followed closely on his heels. Adil, please stop she begged. Tell me what I can know. She knew he wouldn't tell her much. He would protect her like that, but she needed some piece of information. How much trouble were they in? What would happen to their children? Adil pulled open the spare bedroom closet door and immediately spied a rolling suitcase in the corner on the floor. Grabbing it by the handle, 
He pulled it out of the closet and turned towards her. He rested a hand on her shoulder and noted how small her frame was compared to his. We will take a little vacation. Stay at a hotel somewhere. Just you and me. It will be a second honeymoon. She snorted, insulted at his attempt to calm her with the lame suggestion about a honeymoon. You mean our first honeymoon? They'd spent their wedding night in his family's house. She'd been nervous. It was her first time and the walls were thin. She'd spent the next week with her face covered to hide her blush from his parents. Adil hated that he hadn't given her a real honeymoon. But that sort of thing wasn't important where they came from. Everyone knew what a man did with his wife, so he never understood her embarrassment. He was proud that his family had heard him loving his wife. As far as he was concerned, that was a good thing. He placed his hand against her cheek. Then it will be our first honeymoon, he crooned. Now get a bag and pack. She took his hand in hers and patted it. Nerves jumbled in her stomach, souring the coffee she choked down earlier. Okay, for how long? How much should I pack? Were they disappearing for good? Would they leave everything behind? That crushed her. She liked it here. She had friends here. At least a week. We can always find a laundromat. Pack some food, too. A laundromat? At those words, she knew they were in serious trouble. Maybe the kind that required one to disappear forever. Would the kids be dragged into it? Would they be safe? She grabbed a suitcase from the closet and rolled it into their bedroom. Setting her hands on her hips, she looked around the room. What items were too precious to leave behind? Her mother's necklace was a must. It wasn't expensive, but it was sentimental. She remembered playing with the chain as a girl. She traced the glittering light as it sparkled off the gold. Adil worked feverishly gathering his clothes and toiletries that he required as she methodically packed her suitcase and hid her treasured heirlooms among the clothes. When he finished, he zipped up the suitcase and said, I'm going to the ATM. Get a cooler and pack some food. We'll find a place for the little refrigerator. He stepped to her and set his hands on her arms and looked her in the eyes. Don't worry. We'll get through this. She nodded, but she didn't believe him. He'd never been this scared before in his life. It frightened her. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I hope you enjoyed the reading for today. If you have not had a chance to listen to Avenging Kiss, you may want to do that. It can be found in episodes 38 through 53. To keep up with various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Goodbye.